This is the DLR Cast, the essential podcast for fans of Diamond David Lee Roth. Yeah, you know, I was thinking ahead of this, given the Guns N' Roses connection, um, you know, your fandom, our fandom for all things Dave and Van Halen. First thing I thought of is that if there's two two artists, two bands with the most amount of non-disclosure agreements, <laughs> it's uh, got to be GNR and VH with Dave, because those are two ships that have been so locked down. I could spend an hour talking about my my un, unrelenting curiosity uh, into uh, everything that was and was Chinese democracy. So (laughs) there's my intro. (laughs) You're right. And just to say right away with the NDA, uh, I will never escape me that I got, I can't do your podcast because of an NDA. It wasn't like it was from Slash or Axel or anything, anyone big. The harp player (laughs) on prostitute on Chinese democracy. So one, just a harp player on one song, Chinese democracy, wanted to do my podcast I had a lawyer looking into her NDA and figured it wasn't worth it. I'm like, okay, I guess the interview is not going to make or break my career anyway. But, uh, but yeah, in those NDAs, uh, I, I haven't signed any, so I can say whatever I want. <laughs> but, can I butt in right there before I say how I know you, Brando, that the whole NDA thing, the rumor is you are on the quote Fernando list. That is, that is true. Well, um, I guess it's, you know, it's it's funny because uh, I've just been more careful about, I mean, you should always be careful with the words that you use, but right. I, I'm just letting people know that this is what I heard from two other people. And I try to have journalistic integrity because some things are said in private. However, time goes by and it just changes things. So I don't know. It was maybe, it's been a few years because I had... Who did I get on first? I think I got on Dizzy Reed mm-hmm. a couple times. First time he he overslept, and his wife was kind enough to wake him up in the hotel room just to get him to say hello on the podcast. So that way I could be like, oh, I've actually had a, a current member on the podcast, even though he was half asleep. But then I did get him on again with uh, Alex Grassi from mm-hmm. Quiet Riot, and they're in that cover band Hookers and Blow. Then I got Richard Fortas, through another contact who was promote like Richard was in a offshoot of a band called Headtronics. They were playing New York. I was very nice about not saying any anything Guns N' Roses y, like very generic questions. I had some like listeners upset that like, I didn't ask anything about new music. I was just, I don't know, hot on the collar the entire time. Like I can't ask anything wrong. Then I got Frank Ferrer through Golden Robot Records. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Frank came out because he his band Pisser P S S R is on Golden Robot Records. Yeah, he came on. He was fantastic. Even said that he would come on again with Brain. So this this all has a point. This is just because getting it all out there. <laughs> uh, so Brain was the drummer for part of the Chinese Democracy era. Right, Primus before that, that. Yeah, and he's the one that actually got Frank the job. His brain went uh was only supposed to be gone for two weeks with his kid for the birth of his kid, but ended up just leaving. So he was gonna come back on with brain. I posted the episode shortly after I posted the episode, and I say this before every interview, if it's a big time person, anything you don't want to talk about, he's like, Don't worry, I know how to handle it, no big deal. I think I asked about the rumored track hard school, and he just kind of pled the fifth. Uh 
Mark, the uh, I love him, Mark uh, Alexander Erber, the CEO of Golden Robot. He mm -hmm. asked in a very cutesy way, if there is new Guns N' Roses music, what would it sound like? And and Frank gave this kind of cool answer, but nothing revealing. So anyway, after shortly after posting that episode, I got a message from Mark that Frank's kind of panicking and asking if I could take down the episode. Yeah. I no, I mean it's already out. It's already being covered by outlets. I, I have no problem editing things, but then it just makes me look terrible. So is there nothing in there said poorly? So it was after that that I had an off-air conversation with Brain because he had been on the podcast a few times. Really nice guy who had told me that Melissa Reese wants to be on the podcast. So the Brain said uh, that there was a text sent out. To all the non-famous members of GNR, so obviously not the, the big three, yeah. no more interviews could be done unless approved by Fernando, their manager. And my name was specifically mentioned. So that was said to me by both Brain and Bo and by Mark, who said that like that's why uh, Frank wanted the episode down. You know, like it's yeah. like he, he's, so I had kept that quiet for a while. Uh, but then you can see Duff doing all these interviews and other people like, why can't you get this person back? Then it's, what do I do? I just keep quiet about stuff. So I don't have any NDAs signed. Uh, perhaps it may not be the best uh, decorum. Like I really try. I, I like to keep secrets. Uh, I, I am a trustworthy person, but it just gets to a point where it sucks, man. Like if these people want to be on my podcast, I'm not some salacious, you know, TMZ or even Howard Stern going to ask about your sex life kind of person. It's just a little podcast. So like, what is the vendetta? Uh, unless it's just because I, you don't own me or because people are afraid of clickbait. So it's not just GNR management. Right. I once, I once had a, uh, Iron Maiden's management call me right after I did an interview with Adrian Smith. It wasn't posted yet to take out the one minute answer he gave to why GNR and Iron Maiden didn't work out in 88. A very diplomatic, you know, uh, Swedish, like down the middle of the road answer that Adrian <laughs> Smith gave me. And I cut it out. I mean, I put it out by itself a year later, but because I'm just thinking like, this is stupid. Like no, no one's getting, no one cares. Yeah. So, so, so we've learned here, you are on the Fernando list, but I'm going to backtrack and say, I've, Found out about you through our mutual friend, JT Turret, another Long Islander. Steve, despite how he looks, has Long Island roots. Um, don't <laughs> be confused by the Nordic Minnesota vibes that Steve gives you. He has okay. Long Island roots as well. So I found out about your podcast through loving GNR and the mystique and knowing that we don't really always get the answers. And Steve and I started this show independently of knowing about your show of going, do we know the full story about Van Halen, Dave Lee Roth stuff? And kind of here we are. And the guests that you're getting are incredible, despite being on the Fernando list. And thank you for doing our show. Thank you for wanting me to be here and talk about it. It's funny because I've been in radio for, you know, uh, a couple decades plus now. But this podcast thing just kind of came out of just a, a joint project with a friend that I thought was a silly idea. And we just started right before the GNR three union, the reunion. Mm -hmm. And at that time, podcasts were still like, are they, or are they not to be taken seriously? So I kind of got on this. Cause even then I, I looked at it like as a radio person, I'm like, 
podcasts. Like I don't, I don't, I don't even get it. But now, you know, flash forward seven years later or whatever, I obviously do. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's been an interesting ride because I didn't expect to get any of these guests that I people that I've spoken to. Uh, when I again, when I thought it was a silly idea, what am I going to talk about? November Rain being my favorite song for an hour. Ooh, <laughs> like it's this. You know, Guns N' Roses podcast. Oh, I like Axel. You know, oh, I like Slash better. It's just, it's, what am I going to talk about? So I, to get guests like, uh, like early on, Charlie Benanti from Anthrax, and then of course Pantera now, mm-hmm. or, or just, I think the first one episode I, I usually say is where it all clicked of what it could be is just getting uh, Dave Kushner from Velvet Revolver, just mm-hmm. contacting him on, on Twitter. And it being in that being interview being picked up by news outlets, by rock news outlets. So just to see that was pretty rewarding because I, ne- I never got that just being on the air and, and, and radio. And it's been a great, a great venture of just interviewing people like from Alice Cooper to Pauly Shore or uh, or just being able to talk to people literally around the world who love Guns N' Roses and doing episodes with fans who where English is not their first language, but we all speak. The language of GNR, so that's that's been pretty special. Now, Steve, you have a history in the publishing world, record label world. Do you have any ties to Guns N' Roses? Um, no, not necessarily. Although I can tell you, I worked for a universe. I worked for one of the Universal Music Group labels about a year or two before I actually went to Interscope when Chinese Democracy came out finally, and it was a Best Buy exclusive and. That was an interesting first day when we got set when uh, the label folks got sales numbers. And it was it was I I was thinking about that at the time. And uh, because I'm here in Minneapolis, where Best Buy is based, and that was a Best Buy exclusive. And I used to call on them. And I'm trying to think back when was that 2000? When did it 2006, seven? Um, My memory fails me, but I had worked for a couple different labels under the universal umbrella. And I used to see down the hall the uh and hear and hear from the folks that i'd see every day saying you know next month chinese democracy is coming out and then that passed and that passed and about a year before the year before that thing came out via best buy no one was talking about it and then all of a sudden it became this exclusive and i know best buy bought an a huge amount and didn't necessarily sell a huge amount at least initially yeah, yeah that was an interesting time because for my age uh i just i turned 40 in september you know i did not experience the user illusion you know uh power records buying at midnight craze that you you heard those stories growing up so and it's interesting too because best buy just uh announced that they're removing all physical media and displays so i i do remember going with a friend of mine who is a huge van halen david lee roth fan so we would always have those discussions growing up of our both of our bands being destroyed by the lead singer so to speak <laughs> uh but i remember going into best buy and holding up it's still behind me i have the uh the vinyl of chinese democracy over my shoulder and i i held it up in the middle of best buy like rafiki holding up simba and the lion king i'm like it's here <laughs> it's in my hands because for years we talk about the untold stories i mean just this one era of Chinese democracy is just this so many untold stories and things that I found out just on the podcast that weren't known before is, uh, is, is quite, it's, it's fascinating. And, and, and that's not even the most successful era of the band as we, we were just discussing. So, and that, there's just not a lot 
known about it. People want to know, especially all these years later with the band being active again and then putting out Chinese uh, material with Slash and Duff. Yeah. And, and for the record, I do love Chinese democracy. It was not a disappointment yeah, to me, me not too. at all. I always love um, hearing and seeing how my favorite artists evolve and, and you know, how their music changes and, and, uh, you know, to me, that was the equivalent of like a James Cameron ec epic movie, you know, wildly bloated, hugely over budget, took forever to make, yet was unbelievably satisfying and enjoyable nevertheless, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, hopefully uh, there'll be more new music, at least in albums worth, even if, if albums per se, uh, mm -hmm. throw the quotation marks up there are, you know, aren't, aren't, hip are really a thing although as we've seen you know video come back in fact i saw something the other day that in the uk compact discs outsold vinyl I okay mean, still uh, for 2023 if you really if you have a place where people can buy it besides just one place people will buy it i mean that's one of the reasons why vinyl came back and i'm going down a, a big tangent here but you can find vinyl in record stores you know i mean uh places that you know i mean target basically stopped selling cds with very few, but you can get a bunch of vinyl records there. Same with, say, like Barnes & Noble and, of course, indie stores. But I digress a whole bunch. What I wanted to ask you, um, the similarities a lot when I think of Chinese democracy, and then there's the Irving Azoff connection, and then the secrecy around that, how long it took, and then it finally came out. I think about the complete lockdown on communication and how nobody really knew, at least on the outside, that Van Halen was making a new record with Roth. So, I mean, two completely different bands, but there's a lot of similarities there. And that's not necessarily a reach to try to figure out something to talk about. You know, I mean, there's no, it's the not. Irving Azoff, personnel, you know, personnel and personality uh problems and and um and all that and then just the way they go about their business under wraps in this day and age still still fascinates me but no i have to hijack the conversation here <laughs> and say that brando worked on a project that did not come out but overlaps our eras right here and it's not just the david lee roth riding in the car with axel rose and saying he's a golden god and that kind <laughs> of thing uh brando worked on something very cool that i it could still see the light of day correct the doug project not it's interesting to have to do this uh episode today because i put it out uh this morning so i was working on Doug Goldstein's autobiography. He was the former manager of GNR for 17 years, but he started out as a tour manager. Uh, and then when their first man, first manager, when they got signed to Geffen was Alan Niven. Mm -hmm. And then when Alan got fired, uh, it, I guess, cause there was a certain point where it was both Alan and Doug were kind of co-managing depending upon who you ask. Cause, uh, I'm, I'm grateful to also be, friendly with Alan or at least gotten to know him as well. Uh, so Doug became the manager for a long time. And as like it happens sometimes with my guests there, uh, some sort of friendship is formed. So he, he asked me to work on his autobiography and I'm like, wow. Okay. I mean, that's a tall ask. Uh, I have some writing background. I, uh, my radio is my trade, uh, broadcasting, broadcasting, broadcast journalism, I've written like a self help write a self published book about you know a Cape Cod flame family, which that probably sold like 500 copies or something several years ago, or silly little articles in patch.com about 
school functions and things like that, but whatever. I, I I'm literate. So what can I do yes. this? Uh, so I'm like, all right, as, as long as there isn't a timetable to get this done, his only wish was just to get it done. And at a point where GNR was on tour, so he can, in theory, follow them around on tour, like wherever they're going to be, he would be at a Barnes and Noble or something like that. I'm like, all right, sure. So the approach was kind of what we're doing now in a way. And Darren, probably how you put together your book. And by the way, Mazel Tov, it's officially out. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, that's that's how this all started. This uh, the book and JT and thanks. Thanks to all that. But we we're back to digressing back to you, Brando. So I'm sure what you did <laughs> is you take conversations with people. So I'd have conversations with Doug like on Zoom and then I would transcribe them. And it takes when someone is just telling stories, it, it doesn't read like a book. Like you really have to stretch it out. You have to take certain thoughts and break them down even even further. So I knew all these things going in. So it just took a long time just to get everything a transcribed in general and, and also trying to place things together where they made sense. So we're not doing hopping around. It wasn't going to be like an A through Z. This is what happened. But I like how in a movie you will, you'll kind of start in the future. Well, how did we get there? Let's go to the past. And then you have flashbacks and flash forwards. And I, I like those. I'm a fan of Lost. I've seen that show seven times all the way through. So, but, but I mean, that's, a lot of stories are told like that. I think that's what makes it interesting. So, mm -hmm. so did he. We were all game 50. Everything is going to be 50 50. We're working on this together, spending time on this together. It gets to a point where he's like, we should go to a, a literary agent because we should be getting paid. I'm like, well, that's great, but we're not even near done. I mean, we're a year and a half, two years in. But as you know, I mean, there, I'll never forget when I've had Susan Holmes McKagan on, Duff's wife, and she, her book. It took her nine years to write it. Mm. It, it takes people years. For my real radio job, I, I got to, I edit a lot of interviews from a lot of authors. And that's something I hear. It's very common. Years it takes to put, unless what happened with this guy? Oh, well, if we want to get this out by next quarter, we need to have somebody professional. Because I had to write, uh, in addition to just a book, a three to five page uh, summary of what it was, a one yeah. sheet, marketing plan, all this stuff. Things yeah. I I can do, but it's not my forte. But I can do. It, it's not going to be written in crayon with stickers on it. Like Again, I, I, I'm not a Mensa member, but I do have a college degree. That's right. how I, I, I approach it. But this person kept trying to feed me BS answers, and I just knew it. And try and told Doug to get rid of me since the first conversation. Doug, to his credit, kept saying no. But at the end, I kept saying to Doug, look, if this is the only guy you want to go to and he doesn't want to work with me, there's nothing I could do. It's, these are your stories, whatever. Kept dragging his feet, not giving me an answer, and it was really affecting my mental health. Because I was like, am I an idiot? I don't, do I not know how to write? Uh, I understand I'm not going to be as seasoned as, a, as a, a writer of 20 years, but I can – you write autobiographies that are – it's funny. My wife is currently reading Britney Spears' bio. Mm -hmm. She's like it's written by like a five-year-old. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 I understand it's not going to be war and peace, but she's like there are two-page chapters. It's all over the place. Yeah. She's got to have a team of people behind her more so than I had a team of people. 
So yeah, was, there's a ghost writer and editors and right, and I opened and just my, transcribing all that, you know. And I opened her, myself her up to stories. that. I'm happy to work with somebody. It wasn't like this is all me. Open myself up to everything, but this guy was like, no, no, or he would just give me, you know, what you need more character building. There's a whole chapter oh. about his ch childhood and like who he became. What he was like, what are you talking about? That's <laughs> it's you're not giving me any usable notes. You're just showing me that you did not read this, like for real. You're just you wanted to see a finished product from what you're used to in this cookie cutter way. And I had read one of his from the advice from my therapist. I read one of, one of the the books under this guy's umbrella, which is Leader Ford's autobiography. And it wasn't written well. There was a paragraph where every word, every sentence started with the word I. That's <laughs> like remedial, you know, creative writing. You don't do that. Like so Yeah, Br Brando, to to show simpatico nature on this whole thing, uh quasi celebrities then wife asked me to like finish a book that he was working on. And I said, yeah, sure. I'd love to do that. And they said, okay, we'll put you in touch with the literary agent and the literary agent just shut it down. She went, no, what have you done? And, what, and I go, here are my samples. They go, yeah, but what have you done? And sometimes these literary agents are deal killers that don't have anyone's best interests in mind. They're possibly just trying to package two talents who they could commission both sides. Yes. Off. Yes, that's that's and, exactly. and I wasn't stupid enough to fall for it. But at the same time, I'm yeah. not fighting back as much as I want because I don't know. I'm, I'm a nice guy. I'm not you trying to. I'm not trying pleasant. to start. Uh, I'm not trying <laughs> to start a fight. And it's also Doug was giving me this opportunity. So much like with the the quote unquote Fernando list, as you call it. Yeah, I sat on. I've been sitting on this book for you know. Over a year, I remember just coming to terms with it at the end of last year, at the turn of 2023, of just, I got to I gotta put it behind me. Um, I, I just, I got to say, no, Doug, I'm sorry. Like, I, you haven't given me an answer. The only solution you came up with was to write two books, one mine and one for this guy. I'm like, oh, it's, <laughs> you're, Use you're, your illusion one and two. Yeah. <laughs> I guess exactly. I'm, like, you're, I'm like you're not Jackie Robinson. You you don't deserve multiple books. Like and I'm then I'm we're gonna be, be comparing them and you're gonna so no that's like and he was almost offended like that I almost kind of laughed off that I'm like no it's like I'm offended I have to laugh it off because I'm offended by that solution. Uh so I I made the decision I'm not gonna do it. I don't I wasn't gonna put it out as is for a few reasons. For one, it's a book of someone a, a lot of someone else's words. Mm -hmm. uh, my words are all over it, but it's unfinished. Uh, I take pride in, you know, people seeing this and being like, well, no wonder it wasn't picked up. I want people to know it, it's a rough draft and there was still a lot of work to be done. Fact checking, movement of things. This was just a really rough, rough draft of what came to be 20 chapters. So what I did as of this recording, and it was a good a given to me by a friend. Because I'm like, what am I going to do with this? Because uh, I just started sharing stories randomly on my podcast or on social media, just little excerpts. I don't know, to maybe gain some more followers or whatever. Not, yeah. No monetary value. So I, I just put out on my Patreon uh, a reading of me doing the first chapter in my thoughts. So if you sign up for my Patreon, uh, it's like a 45-minute video of re me reading one of the most... It's the first chapter, one of the most uh, 
finish, I guess, probably put together chapters out of all of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, and just me, give me talking about it, me critiquing it and, uh, where this could have gone. And so I think I'm going to do a series like that and put it in, on Patreon because I, <laughs> that was almost two years of just a lot of work where I didn't get anything and I could have been making money elsewhere. And yeah, I, I've given, well, I've given people like enough time to apologize or <laughs> to come up with solutions. And I'm like, you know, I, I can't, Unlike Guns N' Roses and unlike David Lee Roth with his <laughs> John Five album, I like to release things. I hate holding on to things. This, I will give it to you though in context, even if it's not finished. So that's that's kind of that's the long answer <laughs> to. Is so you're on the Fernando list. Uh, the book is not happening, but people who subscribe can hear it now. Read it, hear it now. You told me when I was on your show, a David Lee Roth, Axl Rose interaction started from the lobby. Would you mind retelling that along with anything else that's Roth or Van Halen related? Because I'm on my toes, the tips of my toes for this. So, so yeah, I will just mention that because that first chapter, it's it just like, it's how I think about a book or a movie where it just like it hits you and then you don't know even know what happened. Then it goes back. It's when Alan Niven quote unquote fired Axl Rose in 1988 and, Doug saved the day or whatever. Uh, but it goes into like the second chapter and his path for, towards being a security guard, which leads to Van Halen. So he went to college in, uh, I believe in Arizona mm -hmm. and there were a lot of acts that came through. He, cause he was a son of a, he was a son of a police officer who also was like a, a black belt in karate and, and taught karate to police officers. So he knew how to fight. He knew how to be a, uh, a bodyguard so he would do legs of tours so he did part of the 1984 tour of uh, the van halen tour uh so i had told you one story about because i just did the control f where i typed in david lee roth and why isn't it coming up here uh that where they both played donnington guns and roses and david lee roth and is it here? oh that was think... uh probably the skyscraper era 1988 i would bet. yeah yeah, so I'll retell the story here. So in that hotel, uh, all the acts were kind of in the same. It was like one lounge area, right? So all the acts would see each other. And this is like not helping me. I'm trying to it, Microsoft Word. And, it, wasn't there a stampede at that show and some people passed away? Yeah, no, there were there were two kids that uh, unfortunately passed away. Uh, and because contrary to what people believe about Axl Rose. He he told people like to back up, to slow down. So yeah, this was a part of the story about uh Donington and fans were kind of saying, please stop the show. GNR wanted to stop the show. Doug said that like we could even come back out and do an acoustic set, but their promoters at the time didn't didn't think anybody would die, said no, let's just keep going. And that's it was just a perfect storm and everyone and, and, and two kids passed away. Uh, so this is in relation to that. So I found it. Uh, Axel was despondent over what had happened. We're sitting in the hotel uh, lounge bar where he spots David Lee Roth. Reminder, all acts are in the same hotel. Axel knew I had want, I worked with Dave and he knew uh, he had been doing this a lot longer than him. So Axel wanted uh, Dave's advice. Dave, this is Axel Rose. Nice to meet you, bro. That's my David Lee Roth uh, impersonation. Yeah. Uh, 
Axel goes, uh, hey, I got to ask a question, man. I don't know how I'm going to sleep. What do you do in situations like this? Hey, come on, bro. This is the fucking UK. Dude, people die of these fucking soccer games every time they fucking have one. Lighten up. You're a fucking asshole. And then Axel walked off. So uh, that was the short little story I gave you before. <laughs> uh, this one you might appreciate and why Doug had to like stop being a bodyguard for a while. Because, uh, okay, so this was at, I think this was on the Eat em and Smile tour. Because when Dave went solo, uh, he decided to go with Dave and he became really friendly with Steve Vai. Mm -hmm. So he goes... Oh, because he alludes to like every night. Uh, he goes, Van Halen was going to put on the same show every fucking night, particularly Dave. Well, look at all the people here tonight. Yeah. It's the same thing every night. We used to make fun of it. Look at all the people here tonight. I'm going to fuck your girlfriend. The same raps yeah. every night. Uh, so one time, I guess Dave actually did sleep with this guy's girlfriend. So, uh, this massive, he's like, however, if fights, threats, or otherwise, would have to take a back seat for a while, as I would, uh, as with any real physical activity. I made it about halfway through the tour until we were in Seattle when I went down. This massive wall of a man, 6'5", is out for blood. Dave slept with his wife on the 84 tour. I'm going to fuck your girlfriend. Guess Dave, I guess DLR was, was serious with his raps. Uh, now this man tank is after Dave since he's back in town. Dave says he didn't know she was married. Girlfriends were okay. Didn't matter. This guy was going to kill David Lee Roth. He busted through the back door of the arena, knocking over five security guys. The only obstacle stopping him was uh, from Dave's dressing from Dave's dress. I'm getting excited, so I'm reading too fast. <laughs> from Dave's dressing room is me. I see him coming, but he doesn't see me hiding around the corridor wall. As soon as he tries to dash forward uh, toward the door. I spun around to him, grabbing his testicles and throat, spun again, this time slamming him into a stone wall, knocked him out cold. As I'm standing over him, I felt a pop in my back. Quickly forgot about it as I didn't really, uh, as it really didn't hurt at the, at the time, so I ignored. The focus was getting this guy arrested, which happened. They cuffed and took him away. So basically, I mean, it goes on to say how Doug blew his back out from that, from saving David Lee Roth from a, a raging uh, ex-husband. Or a raging husband. So that was what, because I have these nice stories and it's, I, again, it's fun to tell in little, or little droplets, but I don't know. I got to start paying for baby Brownstone's hard school fund somehow. So like a little, <laughs> you like that little donations here and there on my Patreon is, I don't know, it doesn't hurt anybody, I think. Well, to pause it before I let Steve talk for a change. The tie-in between Van Halen and Guns N' Roses about sharing, you know, a, a security guard for Van Halen ultimately becoming the manager of Guns N' Roses. I don't think that people draw that connection. Steve, I didn't know that. Did you? I did not know that. Um, not at all. So I'm sitting here with bated breath hearing where the story's going. Um, no, but I had no idea. Yeah, he was just a uh, security at the time and for Van Halen. And I believe when he got hired for... Um, David Lee Roth, he was director of security. No, I think that was actually when he got hired by Air Supply. I believe, yeah, <laughs> Air Supply, that he was director of security. Like, what's going to happen at one of those shows? I, However, there was, there's a nice interaction that uh, he gets in the face of uh, the, the boxer, Hector Macho Camacho. You oh, remember yeah. that? 
Remember him? So, uh, I don't know. They were at some fight, uh, Russell Hitchcock and, and Doug Goldstein, and he and Doug speaks Spanish, so he heard Hector Camacho calling Russell Hitchcock gay. His face, like, well, you don't talk about my singer like that. So I, it's a little story. I really interrupt. Isn't that the second Guns N' Roses manager who worked for Air Supply first? There was a guy in the mid two thousands who from Long Island. I forget his name, and he was kind of an assistant for Axel. That uh, was really Craig, is that Craig Deucewalt? Yes. Didn't he work for Air Supply first? I'm not sure of that. <laughs> I did not read his book as he won't come on my podcast. So I have no desire to read Oh, it. <laughs> so yeah. Fernando got to him too. Got it. Oh, I, I, I mean, probably <laughs> that being said, because I don't want to. Uh, that's what I was. Uh, I felt like I was being really good for a while. And yeah. some fans thought I was kind of being almost an apologist. I don't know what it's like to be a manager of the biggest band in the world for one of the biggest, you know, person personalities, Axel. Yeah, I, I'm sure it makes a lot of sense for David Lee Roth's manager and a lot of these big corporations to just shut. I know the corporations at this point just to shut it down, to not talk. But there's got to be some level of communication so things don't get misinterpreted when they do get misinterpreted. I mean, you do your best. So I don't know if this is. Fernando, if it's it's a team, because I've never spoken a word to the guy. So it's hard for me to like if I had a bad interaction with him, like I didn't like my interaction with the guy from uh the marketing agency who just was no support, even though he, you know, yeah, I, I got you. Yeah, I'm really next time I really want to say let's go forward with this. So yeah, like trying to give me deadlines and shit while like my wife is pregnant and like I have two jobs already. Pay me and you can give me deadlines. <laughs> then I could start saying stuff, but I I don't know Fernando, and even with the uh, the lawsuit against him, you know, while I believe uh, the photographer right now, I I I have an open like what the, whatever the court decides. I don't know the guy. It just sucks. I I offered. I tried saying, hey, do you want to come on my podcast so people fans will know your personality, kind of thing. So I kind of want to be out there and not just be the. I don't know, an angry talking head because the actual talking head doesn't talk talk to me. I said talk too much <laughs> there. Uh, sometimes it is better to write a book so because I can correct all my my poor speech. Makes sense because I'm on a radio. See them all. I, I, I get it. So over all twisted. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I want everything in the right context because I think because there is part of me that feels that word gets back to people. Like, oh, Brando is this. He's saying bad things about you. I'm like, I don't think I really have. No. I'm just not a the sycophant. I'm just not one of those people. So, yeah. That was a long answer to a question you didn't ask. So, there you go. <laughs> Your turn, Steve. I was going to ask um, a little bit more on that Irving Azov connection because I completely forgot, or at least I, I completely forgot that Axel fired Azov and I can't remember when that was because there was the at least the rumors, the possibility of some mega stadium tour. Uh, and my we're obsessed with timelines over here at the DLR cast very often. <laughs> and, and yet the irony is, is that my memory just completely falls apart sometimes. And what may have been two years ago was actually six years ago. And I can't remember shit. But I, I don't know if you could shed some light on that. Well, I'm going through my my father right now just typing in Irving into the control C because I know there I are some 
2010-ish because Axel went through like a steady stream of uh, of steady stream of managers before and after Irving. There was Randy Miller for a while. That there was, was like a, an, there was a yeah. few, but Arc. Irving Irving wanted what everyone else wanted. What Axel didn't want was yeah. a reunion. Irving, that's what he pushed for, and Doug didn't push for that. You know, other people would push for it, and and they just at that it's crazy crazy to look at now. <laughs> Excuse me, considering what's happened. But it's uh, Irving was pushing for that. But I, I'm, I'm, I guess that would be because Chinese eventually came out in 2008, and Doug left in 2004. So it's if that helps at all with yeah. your your timeline. Yeah, I was just curious because 2010, at least on the in the Van Halen world, I mean that was two years before a different kind of truth came out. Uh, they were kind of inactive after the touring 2007 2008 right i think um uh that the initial reunion so just trying to kind of put it all together in my head forgetting also the fact that there had been a number of people in the management camp over there uh for for gnr and i'm trying to think if irving was their manager when chinese democracy finally came out i think they always i, I always butcher his last name but uh merc merc yeah yeah, I, yeah. I, you're right yeah I think I reached, he was managing then. I reached out to him too. At least I got like a polite no. He's into <laughs> like uh not Bitcoin, but like digital. Like he's supposed to be like a super genius, like digital marketing. I mean, I, I'll try again in 2024, but sometimes these guys don't what what is it to them? Like so oh, Merck doesn't it. want to talk to anybody right now. If if you follow all those catalog acquisitions that he's been part of, yeah. And- the related lawsuits that he's on a different stratosphere <laughs> playing field than we are, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. But I mean, I try and that's something else I always want to get across. If someone says no, I'm like, that's okay. But it's yeah. when knowing that Melissa Reese wants to come on or Frank had a great time and you stressed him out knowing that brain, look, I'll say this, like, and I'll say this and it'll show both sides to show that I'm not just one sided with it. Uh, Brain, this was in 2019, mm-hmm. came on my podcast and was talking about, he got questions from fans about like the remixes and some uh, unreleased songs, one of which was The General, which is now released. But uh, he told me that Beta was like frantically calling him while he was in a session. And he thought like it was some big emergency. And she's like, what is this, this article about, you talk about new Guns N' Roses music. That's just like the clickbait, what they chose to write. And he's like, no, I'm just having a conversation with my buddy. And you could see he's, it was no fault of mine. He wasn't upset at, at me, but that he was just stressed out about it because he was made to be stressed out about it. Yeah. And also I, that was told to me by someone who runs a forum that I posted something like an, uh, just a clip of, uh, I think it was this. And since then I posted it a million times. So I don't care. Cause again, talk to me directly. Don't go through mediums. Like I'm like, I don't exist. This uh, one of my favorite guests that I got through Doug. That's the sad part of it that I got great guests through him. Oh, and it's so funny when the, the book was done, he's like, I want to come back on and talk about my latest venture. I'm like, but we got to talk about the book. <laughs> well, wh- why, why do we have to talk about the book? Cause what are you talking about? Like, I can't, this is uh is that what your audience wants to hear? Yeah, this is a, this is a fluid <laughs> conversation. You wanted to use my platform to promote the book. So he's like, Oh, I didn't know uh not doing the book anymore would mean this. So I'm like, I, I don't even know what to say to that. 
So anyway, Doug uh, helped me get book the Use Your Illusion Chiropractor. <laughs> Dr. Stephen Thaxton. Great guy. He also worked for Bon Jovi. So he was on tour with Gnar, entire user illusion. Yeah. Tells this great story about when the band was in Colombia and a riot breaks out. And one of the guards, the Colombian guards, comes into, I guess, the dressing room. He's got a big gash on his head. And Axel's sister, Amy, is a nurse or was a nurse. I'm not, I don't wow. know her. So uh, apparently a great beauty, too. Doug uh, had a big crush on her. So, uh, so it, it, Amy didn't have her equipment with her because she's just there as a part of the family. Mm -hmm. She would actually do charitable stuff for GNR while they were on tour. If anybody wanted, like a charity wanted to sponsor that leg of the tour or that show, they would work with Amy Bailey. Uh, so then she asked the, the chiropractor, do you have any lidocaine? Do you have anything to numb this, his wounds so I could sew it up? I'll find a sewing kit. No, I don't. I, I'm all out. She's like, you know what? I'm going to go find some cocaine. And they're in Colombia with Guns N' Roses. She leaves. She comes back. No cocaine. With a, a sad face. Couldn't find any to numb it. Doug's joke is that she didn't write, ask the right band members, but she couldn't find any cocaine. So, <laughs> you know, just, uh, I don't know, poured whiskey on it. Just that tough soldier just got uh, stitches not numb but then i got a message from you know a mutual friend of beta that i shouldn't be telling the story shouldn't be out there and i'm like this is a fantastic story this shows her in the best possible light like what's yeah. i don't understand you know if it is this a traumatic thing for her to relive like tell me please no nothing nothing so i've made that like a, a youtube short and a tiktok video with pictures and so that story is a is out there. But again, just like stressing out my guests, stressing out people who support me. That's something I've gotten. But then on the flip side, I recently had a guest. <clears throat> excuse me. I've had a guest. I'm not used to talking this much, I think. <laughs> I had a guest because uh, I like to do interview fans. So this this fan, this guy who is about my age, around 40, he, uh, he wrote on Reddit and it was picked up by Loudwire. About mm -hmm. how he took his son. They, they were from Boston. They flew down to uh, Hollywood, Florida for the, the kid's ninth birthday. And somehow, just locally, he ends up befriending uh, Vanessa LaBase. I believe that's how you say that last name. She's part of the Team Brazil. She's uh, the daughter of Beta. And the she also Team has Brazil. Uh, now, let me pause you right there. Yeah. I don't think the average non obsessive. Uh, Guns N' Roses fans knows who Beta and Team Brazil are. So can you explain that for us? So that's part, that's Team Brazil is their name. They've, they've given themselves, that's the management <laughs> team. And so this is all six degrees of everything. So we were talking about managers and everything. When Doug, Doug had already left. And this was around the time Stephanie Seymour and Axel were, or he was, he, he wasn't leaving yet. Sorry, two, two different things happened. When Axel was was going to get married to Stephanie Seymour, and I put these stories out, this story out there yet. I haven't read the whole chapter. That'll be up on Patreon. Uh, Beta used to be the housekeeper and nanny for Stephanie Seymour and her young son, Dylan. And Axel loved Dylan, obviously loved Stephanie Seymour, wanted to get married. Uh, Beta has a secret. 
had a secret that uh, Stephanie was engaged to seven other guys. And part of her job was to make sure she had the right ring to give Stephanie for which guy she was going to go see. And Axel, and, and she knew Axel, like she just felt terrible. Like this guy loves her, loves her son. I can't do this, but she's going to fire me. I, oh, she actually didn't even say that. She just told Axel and Axel's like, look, I know she's going to fire you. Just come with me. You'll, you'll be my assistant, whatever. Uh, and that's, a big source of Axel, actually, his depression is that that situation there. But over time, you know, Beta has kids, and it's a whole family atmosphere. The family that perhaps Axel didn't have really growing up with, like, an abusive father and an abusive stepfather. So he has this really great uh, family atmosphere around him. Uh, so this guy uh, became friends with Vanessa, friendly with Vanessa before the show. The texting back and forth because they both have little kids. They're playing together on the beach and things like that. And during the show, they made an agreement that they would bring Cooper, this nine-year-old, up on stage to watch some of the show. So I have the video on YouTube. It's on my Facebook. The big, giant security guard, Geo, the one who <laughs> sometimes manhandles uh, Rick Dunsford. If that, I don't know if that's another name people know. That's a... There was a Rolling Stone article about him. He was in TMZ. He was the one banned from Guns N' Roses concerts for allegedly leaking uh, some Chinese democracy stuff. Even oh! It was a team of people. Uh, Doug, uh, uh, Rick only bought it. He didn't sell it. It's a whole, that's a whole other story. This is what I mean. This is how I have seven years worth of material. Uh, so... You, you have gotten even more sidebarish than me at my worst, and I I love that about you, Brando. So thank you. Because it's it's impossible. I know it's it's so hard. This is why I can't do an episode. Like I just did one by myself, and I need somebody yeah. to help me bring me back. Because everything does have a sidebar. Otherwise, you're not getting the full context of everything. Right. No, so, but the picture the picture is like of the security guard brings the little kid over the the rail uh, during Mr. Brownstone, and Beta's walking him up the side of the stage behind the rafters. He gets to go in Axel's dressing room during uh, There Was a Time and gets like, you know, some goodies to take home and, and like a wonderful, a wonderful experience. They didn't do this for press. So people that like, I feel like that know them, they're good people. And they understand that they probably have a lot of beggars and hangers on to use a slash the snake pit reference. Yeah. So they have to be protective. And I get that. I really do. But there's got to be some sort of professional, uh, you know, back and forth sometimes with your fans because G and our fans are just so frustrated. And uh, I don't voice, I try to be the voice of frustration for people, but at the same time, I want to be the voice of reality and being like, because just like at my low level of working in radio, there's so much more that goes on behind the scenes than what you think, what you hear. Mm -hmm. So I try to give them the benefit of the doubt. You know, was it really their fault this happened? It could have been, uh, someone else's and they take the blame. So I, I just try to be, I don't know, as well-rounded. That's why I did a podcast instead of a newsletter. I just was well-rounded and conversational about this stuff as possible because I don't know. It's otherwise we get GNR lies, right? Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. So, so anyway, <laughs> you're uh, muted. Steve, I think you're muted. Yeah. Yeah. That's all right. I was talking too much. You had it. No, that's okay. I had a, a dog starting to get antsy in the background there, feeding time. But you mentioned frustration. If there's one common denominator between both groups of fans, it's uh, frustration with the 
with the bands they love and all the ancillary drama, lack of information, things that should happen, but don't things that did happen. You wish didn't and on and on and on. I mean, you know, we all try to dig really deep. I'm certainly impressed by the fact that you got, you know, you, you're digging into these lawsuits now with, with, you know, a law firm about this. I mean, you know, this yeah. is stuff that ordinarily what you do, what we try to do, no one ever finds out. And it's not necessarily about digging dirt. It's the fact that, you know, there's people that are, you know, we're passionate about this stuff. And it's it the, the crazy irony is that at a time when you have more access than ever before, thanks to the, you know, social media and, and the internet, sometimes things are just so far out of reach so often, <laughs> especially with these two bands. No, I, I completely agree with you. And sorry, I just smiled at my... My little son. I can't wait to to take him to. Well, he he kind of talks like David Lee Roth now. How many babies did the bop? I believe uh, it. That was pretty good. Uh, yeah. I, so, just the way I approach things in a journalistic way, not to sound too pompous, but just it's just my I've been I took journalism in high school. It's just the way my brain is trained to to think. Uh, that there's this elephant of the, in the room where you have this lawsuit that's making it's not like it's just on a blabbermouth or alternative nation.net like a site that some people be being like oh that's clickbait no it's on rolling stone it's 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 places and you know you have to be defensive as a guns N' roses fan in a bit because people think certain things about axel that i don't believe are always true because you hear he's an asshole tirades I really hear nothing but nice things about from people who don't know him. That don't like don't even work with him now. That yeah, the no... um, to rudely interrupt you, the David Wilde story about Axel's Halloween parties for the underprivileged children, where he's wearing the uh, adult-sized pig costume. Uh, that is just great on so many levels. Axel has an adult-sized pig costume, and he's doing charity work. Yeah, I think he also he's been it was the an adult size uh, sized uh, corn. I think that that photos is floating around when he's in like <laughs> a giant piece of corn. Axel but, Rose dresses a giant piece of corn. That one I have not heard. Oh, well, I think Steve, that photo exists. Look for Steve, it. Steve, have you heard of Axel Rose dresses a giant piece of corn? No, and that's going to really mess up my search history after this podcast. That's all I'm going to say. No, I have not. I have not heard that. But you know, those are the little things like that. Um, but little things, though. But to take the serious nature of some of these things that come out, because I'm grateful that I don't have a dude bro podcast where I have a lot of women that listen to me and follow me, and this is a serious thing to them on both Axel's front and Fernando's front, and I am not. I am unlike most talking heads where you have I you listen to my opinion. I'm mm -hmm. kind of a platform where I'm like, we're not here to say guilty or not guilty. I'm here as a fan, a semi-educated fan, to talk to a lawyer who really did a fantastic job who in researching uh what he needed to to research to have a because it it wasn't it's not his case. I wasn't paying him for his time like lawyers get mm -hmm. to have a a reasonable discussion about what is happening and just go through our thoughts as, as fans, because what would we do? You know, David Lee Roth, all these guys had, uh, you know, didn't it come out that David Lee Roth had like a, I got a fuck room. And uh, who, who told that story recently? Was that Don Dockin? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, yeah. I mean, Roth had a lot of lawsuits in the late nineties, which were mostly disputed dismissed or settled out of court so the the only uh great 
Roth lawsuit worth looking into is his stalker that talked about his mind control strategies and she was suing him and Google and uh, hundreds of uh, defendants. And that one's great. You can find that one on Pacer or whatever Lexus Nexus equivalent you use for that. But fortunately, uh, Roth has stayed out, out of the courts over the years and just gone, you got a problem with me? Let's work it out. Sure. And it's I know it's not apples to apples with uh, with Axl Rose, but there are certain things you just want to talk about as yeah. it's it's not just a uh, a frilly show. I don't want to do that. I'm going to talk about it. And because what if he was guilty and how would I uh, would the podcast be over? Would I would I approach it differently? I would approach it differently because Axel's not my my dad. I don't need to change my life because of it. I can still. So but That's I'm not, I don't need to have that conversation because it's Axel. not a is not my dad I know. <laughs> for your show. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what you should get out of this entire conversation, but, I'm, but it's just to have an educated fan conversation about it. And I wasn't sure how it would be received. And I'm really grateful that to have kind of, I don't have the largest fan base in the world, but I just have a really intelligent fan base that gets what I'm trying to do. The conversations I'm trying to have and and yeah, that's that's pretty much it because it's all the six degrees of GNR bacon that I use, where we could talk about a song that's literally that's like let's just be fans, or let's talk about a lawsuit that's like a little bit more serious, because these things happen. That's Guns N' Roses. It's part of the lore, the, the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Uh, and it's funny within Doug's book, he's like, the, the sex wasn't as much as people would think because they all had girlfriends or wives. You know, it, they it wasn't as bad as other bands, but these I don't want to have my head in the sand because the conversation needs to happen about the song One in a Million, right? So I've had that conversation with multiple uh, African American guests that know our new Axel. So whenever someone that story comes out about Axel Rose, uh, and then people are like, oh, he's a rapist and a and a racist. Well, no and no. And at least I can now show them video clips of like, hey, this is Tracy and Roberta from Use Your Illusion, both black, and Ernie C from Body Count, black. Yeah. And they all say Axel is not that guy. And However, Saul Hudson <laughs> is half. I mean, yes. but there's another conversation yes. that you, could you say is it still appropriate to be to use? Like he's not a racist, but in his work of art, you know, does it I like how Tracy Amos put it. it. It lacks the sensitivity to perhaps some of your audience. And so uh, I, that's a conversation to have. And that's great. I think GNR was always an, an intelligent band. And one of the reasons why I gravitated towards them. But it's funny. Out of all the things that we've spoken about, the parallels, the biggest parallel I always thought with Van Halen and Guns N' Roses is who, who has the best hard rock debut album of all time. Oh, I mean, that's a great parallel, and you can. It's you're hard pressed to uh, think of anybody else in those two, really. Yeah, Boston. I mean, I was, I was gonna say yeah, Boston. Okay, but, maybe that. But I still look at it now, where you name you you'll go up to to somebody who on the street who just I don't know. Uh, I was trying to pick somebody who doesn't look like a Guns N' Roses or a rock and roll fan. You, if you want to uh, racially profile, you, you look at like a. Um, Girl Scout cookie, you know, uh, she, you know, little little girl, whatever. And you ask her like, "Do you know Sweet Child of Mine?" Probably. Do you know Welcome to the Jungle? Probably. 
Do you know Paradise City? Probably. Do you know Jump? Probably not. Like maybe. Do you know Running with the Devil? Probably not. <laughs> Do you know uh, Four Play Long Time from Boston? Well, no. <clears throat> so I mean, I think I look at it like that, where you couldn't get the hard rock answer, where you have this debut of Eddie Van Halen and just yeah, change the game. I, I think you look at influence and impact. I mean, sure. Guns N' Roses spawned how many bands? Van Halen spawned how many guitar players? Boston spawned guys who went to MIT and wanted to start bands? I'm not sure. Do you know what I mean? No, so put Boston out of it. So but let's leave Boston out of it. Then right. Let's just say it's Van Halen or Gene. It's a, there's no right answer. You no, know, there's but, not. I mean, you can make the argument, you know, Kiss's debut album, let's say. I mean, or, you know, I'm thinking, you know, even Led Zeppelin's debut album, but then you're going even farther back. But as far as maybe our generation, folks 45 and up, 40, 45 and up that have straddled the two are familiar with both. It's, it's, it's a short list. It's what I said at the beginning of the podcast, where it's not just, I'm, I'm doing this because I love Guns N' Roses. It, it, for me, it makes sense to do as, cause I would never want to do the Brando show. I was always part of a radio station. I have a really team, uh, outlook on things. So to have this spin on it for Guns N' Roses. So why Guns N' Roses? So it's not a, a generic rock show. Which there's a million of those. But Guns N' Roses specifically, I feel like there's such a Venn diagram of overlaps from people who are the hardcore rockers who know them since you know, 45 and up. And then the young kids. It's in Thor. It's in Slash is everywhere. Probably the most recognizable guitar player on the planet is Slash. So there, you can mention Guns N' Roses and there's going to be something interesting or an episode interesting that I've done that will pique your interest, even if you're not the biggest Guns N' Roses fan in the world. And that's why, again, I can have a, you know, a, a legal conversation, you know, talk <laughs> litigation, or I can just be silly and, or have talked to the animators of Looney Tunes or the writers of Looney Tunes and Scooby-Doo and talk to them about working with Axl Rose and these lighthearted conversations. So there's just a lot of ways to go with it. And it's been a lot of fun and hoping to, expand in the new year so i'm glad i can at least i could also say in on your guys podcast that i'm going to put this book out with more david lee roth stories in there and do it up on my patreon because i don't think i could be sued because it's like it's a critique of my own work i'm not i'm not giving out copies to sell this is my own work uh for a price of a cup of coffee is that what they say you know yeah. you can make make a donation and look at it as a, a donation of over 400 episodes and counting and and I have a baby in the background who's co-hosted a few episodes. So <laughs> who knows? Maybe he'll say his first word on the air soon. So so big picture, kind of expansive. Uh, uh, as big picture is kind of expansive. Where, and you've got a, you're a fan of an active band that still exists. I mean, what are you hearing? What do you know? What do you feel as far as Guns N' Roses in 2024 and beyond this lineup, new music, more touring? I mean, they've done it. Phenomenal job. I don't want to say the word, I don't want to say the word milking, but they have really, you know, they haven't overplayed places. They've done a great job catering to a massive fan base that's still discovering them with, I'm sure, plenty of places that they could play for the first time or again, the second or third time or first time in, in many, many years. It's true. Because uh, I've done, I, I love doing the uh, fan obsession, the fan review episodes for people who, haven't seen them in years. They haven't been to their country in years. And, and these, these tours uh, that have been going on, 
it's just think about it the, that they didn't know how long this was going to last. And that was the joke. Like this, this to reunion is going to blow up before it even got going. And here we are uh, seven years later, 2016 to uh, 2023. It's amazing. So slash, they haven't said much, uh, but what slash has said has kind of come to fruition so far about certain things about releasing singles and, the uh, user illusion announcement of the uh, the deluxe box set, which came out a year, a year late, but I'm sure COVID screwed everything up uh, with the all the delays and the, and the vinyl pressing factories and all that that stuff. So I'm hoping, which they should, they just take a complete break this year because Slash is going to be on tour with Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators, right. uh, and and Duff has his solo album and doing shows with that. Uh, I would like to think because. That's what Slash alluded to in one of these uh, interviews he's done over the past uh, couple of years is that they will, after the tour is over, they will go and they will get in a room and start working on all new material. And that is what people really want. Uh, and, and that's it, because that's, that's what I want. Um, I'm glad that these Chinese songs are coming out, but I just wish they came out the way they were supposed to. Because yeah, a lot I of agree. these these new things, especially with this this last one, the general, I would have a completely different perspective on it if it came out in two thousand and eight in between two songs, because right now out of place, it sounds out of place. It just it just it takes so much of a chance. It's such a departure from a lot of different vocally. Uh, it just sounds like sounds like a Frankenstein, but. Yeah. If you put it within the rest of the monsters, rest of the Frankensteins and Chinese democracy, it's like buying an album and you would listen. It's the journey of it. And that's a lost art. So yeah, who I, knows if this has just been like little breadcrumbs to kind of feed us until we get all new. But I'm hoping that we get all these singles on an album plus more because there was a, a video that came out from uh, Tom Mayhew, their stage manager of 30 plus years from one of their VIP tours that there's stuff from appetite left over. So it's a typical guns fashion. There's a lot of questions answered, but there's even more being asked, but it's, it's fun. They're, they're not a boring band by even when nothing's going on. They're just not, they're not boring. And I just think with these, with the tours, uh, the three and a half hours, I'll just say this. I feel like Axel has been trying to cram in all those missed years and just hitting every place he can singing making, as long as he can missing like what one or two shows because of illness like he's just making up for lost time i was and, uh, that was just the, him that was just the phrase i was thinking of making up for lost time and i was just thinking back one i was i've been so impressed and i will tell you this i have i regrettably the, the times that i've been in the cities where they have been coming through well particularly where i live in minneapolis i wasn't able to see them for whatever reason i wasn't there was not able to so <clears throat> i'm i am uh you know i'm regretfully you know i've i regret that i've missed them a couple of times i've never seen them live as much as a fan i am but one thing that whenever i you know always looking for stuff on youtube or reading about them the thing that one of the many things that really impressed me with these, these tour dates the fact that they one i was very surprised and impressed that slash learned and the band was doing chinese democracy yeah. songs and a velvet revolver song or yeah. two and it was a, it was another song um that they played not a non-Guns N' Roses song. And I just love the fact that 
it's a they're digging a little bit deeper. Yeah, sure, you got three hours to fill, but they could have thrown in a couple of punk covers. But to me, that's those left turns where it's from Chinese Democracy or Velvet Revolver. I mean, it's Axel. I really appreciate that rim kind of signing off on that thing because as we've seen <laughs> with different versions of different bands, there's some music that is absolutely persona non grata, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it shows that there is true healing. And I think that's what this tour was. People will call it a cash, cash grab. I don't think it's their fault that they're so in demand. Their prices aren't any different than anybody else's. No, I think this is really a healing of a lost friendship, a broken friendship. And you see it in the smiles on stage and it that's been great that's been the best part i think of going to these shows people will complain about axel's voice like they'll complain about david lee roth's voice it's not about that it's about the environment that they create that they can still create and that these are pun intended diamonds in the rough that we will never get another gnr or van halen and it's Did sad you just that say we... diamonds in the roth because <laughs> i should have said that should have I should have said that. Is that is that a song or a book somewhere? That's just that's uh, the title to your next book, right? We were all in the room, so I guess we get an equal co-write on Diamonds in the Roth. That that's fine by me. See, I'm a I'm a team player. I'm not out to get anybody. So, but it's uh, it, it, it's true. Uh, but I take any opportunity to try to see a band because I I grew up with GNR already being broken up and Van Halen already be, being broken up, so. I mean, now I know GNR is not going to break up like that. So I've seen them a bunch of times, but 2002, oh man, I got to see them. And thankfully I did because there was a riot the next day in Philadelphia. Yes. I saw them in New York and then the whole tour went to shit and they didn't do anything again until 2006. So, I mean, now with Slash and Duff and you just don't know what there's still new to happen. But with Van Halen, I'm very lucky. I got to see them once in uh, 2012 at MSG. And mm -hmm. I mean, just to w witness uh, Eddie Van Halen live, and, and I had seen David Lee Roth once before, Darren, you were also at this, it was a small show on Long Island in this kind of roundabout stage, but it's just sad. Look at it this way, that whole kitchen sink tour, that it, 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 they could have been the same path to healing, even more so than with Guns N' Roses, because there's a couple of appearances by Adler. No Izzy, you know, he tried once, didn't, it didn't work out. Uh, but you could have had a complete healing in the Van Halen world and you're, you're not getting it. And that's what really upsets me now with, um, with Sammy Hagar's latest comments. Cause I, I, I consider myself a, a Sammy fan. I mean, I, I always prefer the day version of Van Halen cause that's Van Halen, but I, I like Sammy. I think he's a cool guy, but when he went on like, Instagram, people were like, Oh, what about Dave? Is he is, really like, he's going to come on tour. And he just shoots it down. He shits on Dave. That's like, come on, man. Like, why would you, you know, swing that little carrot in front of the fans that we can get some sort of healing and then just take it away from us? There's no need for that. So Axel and Slash aren't doing that. Maybe that's why they don't really say anything because they don't want to promise anything they can't fulfill. Maybe that's, I, that's it. I need one editorial correction here. I did see Guns N' Roses once, not not this lineup. I saw them with, with whatever lineup that was with Buckethead and Tommy Stinson. And oh. I remember they had, unfortunately, they had a paper that show and uh, at, here in Minneapolis. And no surprise, I mean, Axel went on really, really late. <laughs> but I actually loved the show, even though if I, I even though I spent a lot of time just staring at Buckethead going, what the fuck? How in the world? I <laughs> 
I know. And I that's I, the biggest that's one of the biggest curveballs ever thrown by Axel, that one. Even, even I discounting discounting whether or not he had a chicken coop in the studio and was really into porn. Um that's all I that's all I know when I read about read the extensive huge Wikipedia entry on Chinese democracy. So <laughs> and I, I became a Buckethead fan. I had no idea who he was. And I'm like, this guy is nuts. And I love the way he plays. I love the sound. I, I, I've seen him, him in concert a couple of times. And it's, I love this whole, it's kind of being a fan of a sports team. I'm a Yankees fan. I might love, you know, the team I grew up with more, you know, the 96 and 90s championships, but I'm always going to root for them. It's, I'm always yeah. going to root for Guns N' Roses. Same thing with Van Halen. Uh, I know sometimes it can get a little hairy with personalities and what they say and, but, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's it's the music that's what matters. And uh, as long as we can continue celebrating the music of GNR and Van Halen, there's always going to be stuff to talk about. Rather than trying to top uh, that, because that was an excellent, excellent conclusion, Brando. <laughs> I was going to talk about how much I loved Buckethead's nunchuck solos that he would do, which you yeah. can still see at the Rock and Rio performance, because it's such a relief to not have to sit through an eight minute shred guitar solo live and just watch a nunchuck break dancing, uh, passing electric current. Thing. I'm a big Buckethead guy. Uh, I don't know if I put that out there very often, but I'm also a big Brando guy. So thank I mean, you. thank what? you for for doing um, the DLR cast equivalent. If if I don't know if that's undercutting what you do. I, that might be selling you too short. Thank you for exceeding what the DLR cast does for Van Halen and Dave uh. with GNR and putting out that great content and featuring side people and you know auxiliary characters. It's fantastic. Steve, do you, do you want to keep the compliments going before we let Brando go? Well, in doing a little research for this, I saw your list of of guests and I was I was both uh, extremely impressed as a fan and uh, as a podcaster and also extremely jealous as both a fan and a podcaster. I mean, just uh, the the depth and breadth of of guests you've had there, and even just in the Guns and Roses orbit, like Matt Sorum, Richard Fortas, Tommy Stinson. I mean, we talk about NDAs and all that, but you know, you got you got some great folks there that are Guns and Roses in the orbit or adjacent or and. I, I'm I love it. I'm very impressed. I, great job, man. <laughs> Thank you. I, I'm lucky because I I work for my real radio job, uh, iHeartRadio, Premier Radio Networks, where I'm a, a, a producer. And though this is my own thing, but they support me doing this because I'm using their equipment right now to talk to you. <laughs> it's because they work from home. So what we we get certain pe big people that come through to to promote their stuff. And I don't always get them because I'm not a radio station because we schedule radio stations for interviews. But there are times where I and, and my my uh, employers believe in me, know I do good stuff and know my stuff gets picked up, that I have an opportunity to interview like a Paul Rogers, you know, where that may not have come from just me emailing, you know, by myself, but saying, hey, uh, no, this I I work for iArt Radio. It's going to go out on that website. It's I'm also on Q1043.com, the classic rock station in New York City. So just to have that little bit of a, you know, a cushion underneath me uh, helps because I want to give credit to anybody who who helps me. I always put that out there with fans. Like you, if you help me out, uh, get a guest, you can be my guest and be my co-host. I like doing that. I like uh, 
you know, in, in, involving, I guess like involving everyone. This is kind of like the world's, I don't know. I guess it's like that, the approach I, I like to it. It just harkens back to the old radio days where people really felt like they know you. And I'm, I'm, I want to be felt like that. I don't, which sounds weird out of context, but I, I, I don't, I, I, I just don't want, want like there's it. too many people in this TikTok world who just think too much of themselves and their authorities. And I'm so yeah. turned off by that. I just try to be the complete opposite. So that's, that's probably the best way to put it. Cause I'm not an expert. I'm not a guns and roses expert. The only expert on guns and roses is Axel Rose. That's it.